I finally got around to watching this film from three years ago, which is a interpretation of the story, or I guess maybe the ending story, I guess, or the ending years of um, Laurel and Hardy. Uh, it was called Stan and Ollie, and it stars Steve Coogan and John C. Riley, who are tremendous in the film. Like, the the interpretation that they give on film is almost spot on with the comedy duo from the 50s and 40s. And one of the things that I love about this interpretation is we're getting a few of these over the last years when it comes to the interpretations of old black and white comedy acts and things of that nature. A couple of years ago, we got a Three Stooges uh, film, which wasn't necessarily like a behind the scenes. It was kind of like a an actual reimagining of like a story that they would be involved in almost and I thought it was great I was a big Three Stooges fan I'm also a big Laurel and Hardy fan I'm a big Abbott and Costello fan Marx Brothers and we haven't seen anything for the Marx Brothers or for Abbott and Costello but I would really love something like like this film for them as well as something kind of like this for the Three Stooges even though we did get something close to that uh, 20 years ago almost with the Mel Gibson made-for-TV docu-series and whatnot. That was a great film for me as well. But now this Laurel and Hardy one, it kind of goes to a more deep perspective. It goes a little bit more into the area of what their life was like towards the end of their careers and almost like when they realized how big they were and tried to make changes to, to better themselves almost. And the, the turmoils of their relationship. And how like in the 50s they tried to make a comeback. But it wasn't really working out. But they stood, they couldn't stop being a duo. They couldn't stop being a comedy duo. Now if you look up pictures of Stan Laurel next to Steve Coogan's interpretation. It, it's... It, it, I don't even know what, what the word would be. It's crazy how similar they look like these were two actors chose perfectly especially what they were able to make john c Riley look like for um oliver hardy they just look so spot on and their performances are near perfect if not it almost makes you look like they were reincarnated into these two actors and that's one thing that i love and uh, we got a lot of that in the Three Stooges film when it came to Will Sasso and Sean Haynes. And I just love it when they're able to find these actors that are able to do these portrayals of these well-known characters. And maybe that's a reason why they haven't done, you know, Abbott and Costello. Because they can't find somebody who looks as good as what, you know, looks similar to Abbott and Costello to make a film like that. Or for the Marx Brothers, because the Marx Brothers had very particular looks to them. And for this, it's just, it's so spot on. And the performances are so spot on. I'm, I was very, very happy with just the performances. Even if the movie itself may not be something you enjoy, if you're going to enjoy the performances, if you're a person like me who was raised on their comedy. You know, I watched a lot of their skits when I was younger. And, you know, you could say that there was probably a certain level of saturation in the market back then when it came to comedy troops, you know, like I said, I've already named four of the big ones, you know, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. There were, there were dozens of these comedy groups in the black and white comedy era that were making these shorts and then eventually making films and having, you know, road shows in front of live audiences and whatnot. 
and they were, you know, all tremendous in their own respect. But the thing is that they all had a certain niche. Like, the Three Stooges, it was always over the border. Like, it always things that just didn't make any sense, and they tried to be as as ridiculous as possible. And Abbott and Costello, their stick was, you know, one's kind of the con man and the other, you know, is uh, not the smartest, but the one that gets most of the attention and whatnot. And, you know, they work together and they do a lot of on-screen things. For Stan and um, for Laurel and Hardy, it was more along the lines of they were kind of doing hmm, like sophisticated comedy, you know, like they were always doing these jokes that were very much about kind of drawing out the laugh, but it also made sense in a way. They do one of the bits in the film where he, like, gets him, like, he's not, uh, uh, Stan goes to visit Ollie in the hospital, and he's got, like, a bag, a brown bag full of, like, hard-boiled eggs or something for some reason, and he's like, you know I hate eggs, so he sits there, and then he starts eating the eggs, and it's just silent, but it's just all of the interaction that he's doing with taking the egg out, starting to eat the egg, pulling out a salt shaker from his pocket, like a, like a diner salt shaker, and salting it and then eating it while, <laughs> while Oliver is sitting in the hospital bed and he's just watching him do this and none of them are saying a word. It was very much the silent comedy, which is kind of like, you know, I, again, I put it on that level of like almost like sophisticated comedy where it, it didn't need much of a script. It needed an antic. It needed this 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 form of writing that allowed you to tell a story without saying too many things. And, you know, they had their little dancing routines and they had a, one of my favorite jokes is they they only have they go to a bar. They only have enough money to get one drink and they get the one drink and um, Oliver's like, we're going to split this 50 50 and Stan's like, OK, you go first. And Ollie's like, no, no, my friend, please, by all means, I suggest you go first. And Stan's like, okay. And then he drinks the whole thing. And Ollie looks at him and it's like, why would you do that? And Stan's like, my half was on the bottom. <laughs> and it's it's dumb, but that's that's the stuff that they did back then. And that's what like I was raised on. I was raised on these these dumb like black and white comedy skits and I have an appreciation for them because they're the first level of comedy that I was exposed to and watching a film like this that just kind of reinvigorates that and shows you an almost behind the scene you know being that it's slightly over exaggerated still is something worthwhile to a person like me who appreciates a film like this and appreciate these 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 characters and these actors and the story that they're telling and it's just nice to to see that they're still kind of wanting to do this. I know it's not from the same production company that did the Three Stooges one, but I do wish that there was a company out there that was doing that. You know, you got you got Disney and you got Marvel and you got Pixar. They're doing their thing. And then you got Universal is trying to do their thing with monsters. There has to be some studio who just wants to pick up on all of these and just try to give us films that are like this. Just films that are depicting these kind of behind-the-scenes stories. And again, I think the Mel Gibson one is great, even though it's not like the best Three Stooges docuseries in the world. It is a good telling of a lot of the stuff that was happening in the background. Like, 
things that we didn't know because nobody was really that involved in it back then. And that's why you learned about that later on in life where you learn things like even about like the Marx brothers had their own issues. I think one great uh, tell uh, stories like that is in the Joe Rogan podcast. When Rob Zombie had an episode, he tells a story about how there's a book. Um, I forget the name of the book, but it's, it's basically the tellings of the last years of Groucho Marx. And it's written by his last assistant. And what it tells is, you know, how he was getting run down, how he was kind of like being poisoned by his then girlfriend and what had happened to this beloved, you know, character actor of that era. And this book is like tremendous. And Rob Zombie was like, this is a film I wanted to make, but I could never get it off the board. And it's like, why can't we have that film? Like, somebody's got to have an interest in this story that has pull, some production, uh, some producer in a production company or some agent somewhere has to have some kind of pull. Because if you can get a Three Stooges film made, if you can get a Stan and Ollie film made, you can get this book for Groucho Marx, and you could do a tremendous job at it, even if you incorporated that story in a sort of biopic or docu-series for the Marx Brothers. And I've been saying this a while. If you um, follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me post about it. I've said it a couple of dozen times. I will give my money, because I don't really do a lot of subscription services. I really only have, like, three that I stick with, and I know a lot of people, like, they invest in all of it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I will give all of my money to the first one of these subscriptions, Hulu, Netflix, Disney, HBO, whoever wants the money, give me the Three Stooges. Give me everything. Give me everything Abbott and Costello. Give me every Marx Brothers film. Give me every, every Laurel and Hardy film. One of my favorite Laurel and Hardy films, it will pro it's probably Utopia, which isn't probably a well-known Laurel and Hardy film, but it's one of my favorite films. And if you gave me that film, if you gave me all of that content, you would get my money. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that agree with me on that because there are a lot of people who, whether or not you were, you know raised during a time like right at the end of that era where you know you might be older than me now but you do appreciate those things you're probably also like me who had parents who that was something that they obsessed over you know and you were exposed to that because that's how I was exposed to it so if you're a person like me who does appreciate the old 1930s and 40s and 50s black and white comedy you should definitely sit down with this film if you haven't already it is a couple of years old but it's totally worth it Again, simply for the performances, if you are such a diehard fan of theirs that you don't want like their story ruined or anything like that, I'm not going to say this is going to ruin it. It is a bit heartbreaking when you see some of the stuff that happens, but it is meant to be the true and the true to life issues that they were going through, especially at the end of the careers. At the end of their careers, you know, it was the 1950s. Nobody really cared about them anymore. They were moving on to whatever the next big thing is. That's the same with the Three Stooges. That's the same with the Marx Brothers. They all eventually just kind of faded out they all just kind of stopped being you know important and stopped being a big deal and production companies stopped you know investing in them and a lot of this movie goes into that backstory of explaining that and explaining what it was like for them going through that thinking they were going to make this big comeback and they're really pushing hard for it and they're also dealing with their relationship and it, it, it is kind of heartbreaking to see it, but it is still great performances by these two actors. You know, John C. Riley does a tremendous job 
And I don't give John C. Riley enough credit because a lot of people, they only kind of relate him to Will Ferrell films because that's what he mostly does, you know. But that's just because he loves doing comedy and that's why him as, you know, Ali makes sense. But John C. Riley has also done a great amount of other films that aren't necessarily in the, the comedy realm, even though, you know, that's his, you know, kind of shtick. This is still a great film to have both of those kind of arcs put together. You have the comedy that he's portraying through the character uh, Oliver Hardy, but you also have the seriousness of him being a real person, not just a performance actor, not just being somebody who's a, a character on screen. You're seeing the real life person and what he goes through. And I think John C. Riley did a fantastic job at that. Steve Coogan, again, spot on. Just, you cannot tell me that he doesn't look exactly like Stanley Laurel. He looks just like him. And I think these were two tremendous choices to get these characters brought, uh, get these characters brought onto the screen and to pass them off as them. And it's a great film. And if again, if you're fans of the old school black and white stuff, Laurel and Hardy specifically... I suggest you watch this. It is really, really a great watch.